This is episode 38 of Everyday Wellness. True Connection, Taking Time to Truly Listen with Daniel Levin. I'm Dr. Kelly Donahue, clinical health psychologist and coach, here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and functional nutritionist. We have over 25 years of combined experience in wellness, nutrition, nursing, coaching, and psychology. Our goal at Everyday Wellness is to share easy strategies to help as many people as possible become healthier. You can help us attain this goal by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. The process takes just a few minutes and allows our podcast to be seen when listeners like you are searching for high-quality health and wellness podcasts. We are so grateful that you are here and for taking time to leave us a review. Now, let's get started. Welcome to Everyday Wellness. Wellness is the result of the decisions that you make every day. It's your mindset and the thoughts you believe. Wellness is the food you put in your body and the relationship you have with yourself and others. Wellness is your work and meaning. Join us on Everyday Wellness as we explore ways that you can choose wellness today. We are super excited to have on our podcast today, Danny Levin, who, you know, from our very beginning of our conversation prior to jumping on the podcast has been just telling us and weaving this amazing, rich story of his life. You've had the exquisite opportunity to be friends with the wealthiest of the wealthy and to sit on street corners with the poorest of the poor. And what you have seen is that you all want, we all want the same thing. We all want to be loved and accepted, listened to and heard appreciated and acknowledged. So what you do is simple and you love and accept people, listen to them and acknowledge them for what they believe and then shine a light on the things that connect us rather than things that separate us. Boy, isn't that poignant, especially at this time of the the year with all the things going on in the world. What you do is so easy that most people take it for granted and even fewer practice. Welcome, Danny. It's really a pleasure to have you on. I think the only way I can go. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I think the only way I can go now is down. We should end the podcast now. <laughs> that, that's true. And, and it's exciting to me to have the opportunity to just sort of share how simple, like a friend of mine says, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy, but mm-hmm. it is simple. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's only a thought process in our head that says it's harder than it needs to be, but it really isn't. Well, I want to back up and help to paint a picture for <laughs> the story that ensued leading you to that profound realization. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to know this? Um, yeah, and it's still evolving. It's not something that it ever finishes, but... I lived a very peculiar life. I always was felt isolated and alone, even though I knew how to play the game and I was popular and I played sports and I was smart and, and I, I did well in, in, in most things. I never felt connected to the world around me. And, and most of my life, partly because my parents passed away two years apart on the same day, July 4th, it, 
I, and when I was a kid, I was 13 when my dad passed away and 15 when my mom passed away. Oh, my goodness. And, and we grew up in a lower middle class family. And so imagine my surprise when I was uprooted from, that was in Philadelphia, and we moved to Kansas City, and my, mother, my mother's sister who we didn't really know very well because in now we travel a lot but 45 50 years ago we didn't travel as much as we do now and so and we were a lower middle class family so we couldn't leave that much so my aunt and uncle were were unknown to me really and I got plucked out of Philadelphia and into Kansas City but as big a culture shock as that was going from the east coast to the midwest it was even a bigger culture shock for me to go from a lower middle class family to an elite, elite upper class family. My my uncle, my mother's sister's husband, so my uncle, was our block of H&R block income tax. Wow. wow. And so all of a sudden, my world had grown exponentially. The opportunities in front of me were so huge and big and, vi- and vibrant. And three months into living there, he said to me, Danny, I don't have any sons, so I'm looking at you and I feel like you could start right now pushing a broom at H&R Block and within five to ten years you will take over the company it'll be your company you'll sit where I'm sitting and I'll guide you and I'll teach you and I'll show you and I'll and I'll lead you and I looked at him and I said "Um, you've had three months to look at me I'd like to I'd like to watch you for a year and see what I think and he said, do you know that 99.9, say nine until you drop dead, um, percent of the people would have said, where's the broom? Let me get started. Mm-hmm. What is it about you that is making you want to take a year? And I said, I just don't know you. I don't know what this life is like. I don't know what it would look like. I don't know how I would fit into it. And I just want to see how it would go. To make a long story short, which is something we can talk about over a glass of wine another time, I didn't take that opportunity. And I left the possibility to run a billion dollar company to hitchhike around the world to find myself and to find inner peace. And where people laughed at me and thought I was crazy, now at 63 years old looking back, I look into the world that I see and I don't see many people who know themselves. I see many people that have taken those opportunities and they've become prosperous and they've become, they've, they've, they have money and they have fame and they have fortune and they have friends, but they don't have contentment and they don't have the sense of fulfillment from knowing who they are and what, what drives them. Because had I done that, I would have been, I'm sure I would have been a success at H&R Block doing what that was, but I wouldn't have been a success as Daniel Levin. I wouldn't have known myself. I would have sold out myself. And so now when opportunities come and, and, it's, and I think, well, do I sell myself out now? Do I go after the money and just do that? Or do I stay true to my principles? I say, geez, if I was going to do that, I would have done that when I could have, had it, when I could have done it for a billion-dollar company. Why would I do it for a few hundred thousand? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting you know, when, when we were doing our, our research before we um, brought you on the podcast and I found it really, you know, it, just enlightening that you mentioned in your bio on your website 
that you were a day away from becoming a rabbi and I, and you lived as a monk for 10 years. And I yeah. wonder how much that experience has really colored your perspectives. Can you tell us a little bit about how that evolved? I'm, I'm presuming that came after this other experience that you were yes. just mentioning. Yes, you have perfect timing. That's true. Um, so what, what I realized in writing my book, The Mosaic, and that was only three years ago, so I'm 63 years old right now, but I didn't realize even these parts about myself that when I... When my parents passed away, I asked the adults where my parents were. And they told me they were in this place called heaven. So as a 15-year-old kid, I set out in search for heaven. And as beautiful as H&R Block was, it wasn't the heaven that I was looking for. And so I thought, where in the heck do I find heaven? So I put my thumb out on the road and I started hitchhiking around the world. And along the way, I, I ended up in Jerusalem, Israel. And someone said to me, I was en route to India, and someone said to me, were you born Jewish to go to India? Why don't you find out what's here? And I spent five years there. And each time I would talk to the Rebbe, I would say, there's certain things I just can't fathom. I can't believe. I can't, like, it's not the way I think. And he just would say to me, put, your, put those problems on a shelf. Because what happens is as we get more knowledge, as we get more understanding, we grow our shelf of problems stays always at the same level, but we get bigger or smaller depending on how much information and how much knowledge and how much understanding we have. And soon that what looks like a mountain now will, will look like a molehill because you'll understand more. And the day before I was going to be ordained, I went to the Rebbe and said, I have some great news for me, but interesting news. And he said, what's that? I said, I just came home and found my shelf had completely collapsed. All that stuff is on the floor now. And I need to deal with it. And, and so I can't stay here and try and represent you uh, because I don't believe the things that you believe. And so I left and I went into business and I opened up a restaurant and a bookstore in San Francisco and I just started to see what the world was like and that, that didn't give me the fulfillment I was looking for. So I thought I'm going to go and join a monastery. And I went into a monastery and was a monk for 10 years. And I practiced meditation uh, uh, often many days for six to eight hours a day. Uh, and it was beautiful. I had, a, I had such a complete love affair with this person that I was getting to know myself and this creator that I had I'd never even seen before but now experienced so fully and yet I realized even the mon even the walls of the monastery were just another silo that I was hiding behind and that I had to come out of that silo and I see it now we have siloed ourselves behind people of like mind We've siloed ourselves within in our thought process. We think what we think and we do what we do and we see what we see, but we don't see outside of our silos. And something pushed me to get out of the silo, even of the monastery. And it doesn't mean I'm married now to the, to the, to the woman of my dreams. But she says she wants to write a book called I Married a Monk because it doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm, I left the monastery. I just mm -hmm. don't have the walls around me anymore. Mm. But I do have walls. I have walls that protect me from being intimate. And those are the walls that I'm trying to melt down now. And it's those walls of, that separate us that are, that are destroying us now. Those walls that once were so beautiful 
when we went to like-minded communities, to, we felt like a fish out of water. I felt like a fish out of my, water my whole life. And then I found people who, who thought and felt like me. And I thought, wow, this is a like-minded community. How absolutely fabulous. But that like-minded community started to get bigger and stronger. And the people that were unlike that community became further and further away from me. And I realized that those silos started to pop up all over the land, and the space between them was getting deeper and wider. And we had to get out of those silos. We had to start to connect with people of unlike mind so that we could really learn what innovation is. The whole purpose of the mosaic, the whole book, the whole story, is about a boy who, search, who searches for heaven and finds ordinary, regular people along the way, and he wonders, why am I sitting with these people? What do they have? Why, I, these aren't the normal archetypes, like a street artist and a homeless person and a blind woman and a trash man and a juice man and a gardener. Like, why these people? But when he sat for a few moments and said, I'm here, why don't I listen to what they have to say? And he gave them a chance to tell their story. What he saw was the person that he walked away now knowing was completely different than the one he saw when he first sat down. And he realized it's in the beautiful art of listening, where we get to know another person, where we take a moment to really feel what they feel, where we have a chance to let them pour all of their pain and all of their suffering into this, into this holding space that we give them that we really get to know another person and that the things that seem big differences, the superficial things that keep us from, from connecting, melt moment, moment by moment away. And all that's left is the beauty of one heart that wants to know another heart, one heart that wants to hold another heart and be loved by another heart and accept another heart. And that's so easy to do. It doesn't take it doesn't take money. It doesn't take it doesn't take uh, energy. All we have to do is change the thought to the thought of, I want you to know how I'm how much I'm here for you. I want you to know how much I want to know you. And I don't want to know just the superficial things about you. I want to know your pain and your suffering. And I want you to be able to in our friendship pour all of that into this holding space that I'm, I'm holding for you. Because in that, you will free yourself of your pain and suffering because it doesn't belong in you anymore. Just pour it all into this space that I'm holding. Put all of it here, whatever it is. And I learned early on, I, I used to hold that inside myself and it was like so painful. But now I've just hold it off to the side. I still see it, I still visit it, I still, I still, uh, I, I'm there for it, but I don't let it enter into my system because it's not my pain. But in free, in doing that simple process, my compassion frees them of the pain that they experience and melts the wall between us. And finally, we have connection. That's so powerful. It really is. Um, and I, I want to hear your opinion on why or how you think we've gotten so far away from 
true connection in this day and age when we can be more technologically connected than ever before. Yes. Yes, we live in the most connected time the world's ever known. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know in three seconds what's happened 10,000 miles away. But I don't know the name of my next door neighbor. And some of what's isolated us is the fact that we've gotten comfortable in our silos. The silo of my computer. I make my friendships on my computer. It's very safe. I can't get hurt from my computer. <laughs> right? And, and so here's the beautiful thing about knowing yourself. For me, I can tell you, the fact that I know myself allows me to walk into any room and not be affected by the room. It allows me to actually affect the room. There are so few people that know themselves today that when someone who does know themselves walks into a room, they don't have to be attractive. They don't have to be thin or young or, or fancy or have money. When they walk, people notice them. I remember being in India and sitting on a bus driving, driving through the city. And I, looked at, I happened to look out the window. And there was a woman dressed as a beggar walking. Her clothes were torn. Her, her, whole, her whole vibration, though, was as one of royalty. The way she walked, I'll never forget it. It made me want to walk like her because she had her back was erect. Her, her energy was, was contained. And even though she was of the poorest of the poor, she in that moment, five seconds of the bus passing by her and watching her walk, have stayed with me for over 50 years. I'll never forget her. Those are the type of people that I want to have influence me. Those are the type of people that, because they know themselves, when they walk, they connect with everything, even if they don't even, even if they're not aware of it. But what's happened is when we don't know ourselves, we're scared. We protect ourselves. We build walls around ourselves. Gosh, my walls are so, have, have been so close to me because it, it was me hitting myself all the time, not you. I, was, I put myself down all the time, 24-7, seven days a week. I don't know where I'm going to hit myself, but I'm gonna, I sabotage my efforts and I, hold, and, I, and I hold myself hostage to my own lack of belief in myself. And so after hitting myself over and over again, finally I said, I'm going to build a wall and protect myself. I don't want to, I don't want to take that onslaught. I don't want to be abused by, like that. But the wall that I had to build to avoid to protect myself from my own attack ended up being three inches from my, from my body. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity, 
ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. The indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some circumstances, up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? I want to introduce you to a product by Air Doctor that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so that your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses that have the potential to go on and make us sick. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day, breathe-easy, money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorrow.com and use code CYNTHIA. You'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit which is an additional $84 in value. Look at the special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code Cynthia. I absolutely love my air filters. They're an integral component to ensuring that the air that my family breathes in our home is as safe as possible. And because I didn't know where I was going to hit myself, it had to go from the top of my head to the bottom of my heart, to, to the bottom of my feet. I think a lot of what I'm hearing um, is, you know, this this fear of intimacy or vulnerability that so many people embrace, whether they're cognizant of it or not. You know, what would be some of the things that you would suggest to our listeners that would be helpful for working through that if they're scared of being vulnerable, if they're fearful of being vulnerable, what would be ways that they could, you know, tangentially kind of work through that? Fabulous question. Thank you so much for asking that. So, 
One of the things that the Mosaic taught me is four practices. And they're really the four practices of how we connect to ourselves, how we connect to other people, how we connect to, to source, and how we connect to the purpose of the world around us. And the first one is to be kind to ourselves. As soon as I'm kind to myself, that wall that I put up to protect myself from me doesn't need to be there anymore. So suddenly that drops. And because I notice that kindness now, I might look and see you and say, oh God, I'm scared to death of you because I don't know if you're going to hurt me or not. But you're never going to hurt me in the way I hurt myself. And I already know my kindness to myself has melted my wall. So I can be kind to you. And when I'm kind to you, that wall can come down. If I say to you, Kelly and Cynthia, I promise you I will never hurt you. Let me know you. I know if you were to say that to me, I would drop my wall for a moment and let mm -hmm. you in. Mm -hmm. And when I drop my wall and let you in, suddenly what I'm able to experience in the, in the connection of you and me is so much greater than what I experience in the fear of protecting myself from you, of protecting myself from being vulnerable. And suddenly when I'm vulnerable and I'm not holding up a pretense of who I have to be in front of you. When I'm hurt, I can tell you, hey, I'm hurt, will you give me your hand? Will you just hold me for a minute? Because I'm not trying to be somebody to you that I'm not. I'm just empty and here with you. And I can say to you, I've fallen down, will you help me up? And when I've fallen down and I ask you to help me up, guess what happens? The world responds to us in a beautiful way. But we spend so much time protecting ourselves. I, I found the walls that I painted around myself. I painted them to make myself look good so that you would look at my walls and think they were me. But the fulfillment in the relationships that I have was empty. Because you never knew me. You know who I, who I presented myself to you through my wall to be. So my wall met your wall. That isn't connection. So, Why are, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just kind of wanting to go back and, and look at the first piece that you said. So it sounds as if you're really saying we need to start with the way that we're relating to ourselves. Is that correct? 1,000%. Because if, we, if we're not kind to ourselves... And this comes from personal experience. When I'm, was, when, I have, when I'm not kind to myself, what I find is I have walls around me to protect myself from my own assault. And I can't even, I can't, I, those walls are so close that I don't even know that you exist. And if you look at the world around us, we live in a very narcissistic world. People don't give a damn about anybody else. I remember when I worked at Hay House, I was the director of business development there and we grew it during the time that I was there from $3 million a year to $100 million a year. And I remember the CEO of the company saying to me, Danny, this is going to be very hard for you to believe because you're not this type of person. But nobody gives a damn about anybody else. All, any, all people care about is themselves. So if you're talking about what who you are and what you've done nobody cares what they want is that last chapter of the book and that's really was was louise hayes you can heal your life that that was the formula of her book 
She spent the first part telling you who she was and what happened to her. She spent the second part telling you how, how what happened to her happened to other people. But then she spent the third part of it saying what, how she found can help you. And it only has value when the third part of that story is there because people really don't give a damn who you are or what you do or how many people you've helped. When people introduce me, normally they'll read my resume and I'll say to people, that's so nice of you and so kind. But really all that matters is in this moment, in these few minutes we spend together, do people feel anything? Are we touching people? Are we communicating? Are we connecting with each other? Does the vibration of what we're saying enter you? If it doesn't, it doesn't matter who I've been or what I've done. I could have been living under a bridge. But if it does, that same person who was living under a bridge has now entered into you. And it doesn't matter what my history is or my resume, because what's happened is in this moment we've connected to each other. But I can't have that connection with you if I'm blocking myself off. You have to be open to it. I have I have to be open to myself to, mm-hmm. to like to like who is the person that's connecting if we don't if I don't know myself if I'm protecting myself or I don't know myself who who is connecting to what Yogananda used to say a man that I used to follow used to say that most marriages today are made up of a pretty shade of lipstick and a nice bow tie mm-hmm. they're not made up of people who know each other or want to know each other And no wonder we find emptiness in them. No wonder they dissolve so quickly. Because as soon as that lipstick changes or the face gets a few wrinkles or the bow tie gets a bigger belly, we're gone. That's a good point. You know, I think that, you know, something that, and I've been married for 15 years. And Kelly, how long have you been married? I've been married for coming on 11. 11. Mm -hmm. Um, and Danny, how long have you been married to your wife? I was married. My wife passed away after we were married for 18 years and now I'm remarried for, uh, three years. So it's okay. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've all been in long-term relationships and, and, you know, they ebb and flow. And the one thing I've learned, you know, I'm a child of divorce. You know, my parents have been divorced. Well, my mother more than once, my dad just once. Um, and, and, you know, growing up in that environment, um, you either learn one of two messages, you know, relationships are not meant to last forever, or you have to work very, very hard at them. And the one thing that I find humbling is that, you know, my husband is absolutely the man that I thought he was before we got married and after 15 years of being married. Um, but it is so easy for people to get disconnected from one another and oftentimes unintentionally. Um, you know, in our busy lives, as you mentioned, you know, the distractions that are there on a day to day basis. And by distractions, you know, it's all the noise that keeps us connected from one another. It's, you know, social media, you know, Kelly, all of us are, are, are essentially entrepreneurs. Um, and how easily you can fall into thinking that it's important to be checking in on social media as opposed to interacting with your family, your children, your spouse. Um, so a lot of what you're saying really resonates, not just with me personally, but I'm sure it will with our listeners as well, just how important it is to actually, you know, be vulnerable, really communicate, um, irrespective of what the resume says, you know, I live in Washington, DC, and a lot of what I find when we are out socially is what can you do for me? You know, people want to know what your job title is because they're always looking for an angle, uh, which is something that I don't 
my husband and I don't particularly enjoy. Um, but when we, you know, hang out with people we're very close to, it's just about being ourselves and, you know, sharing in, in the joys of our friendship and, and, you know, just life in general. Yeah. I, I, having watched the world now for 63 years, the world that I see now is not one that I'm excited to hand down to my children. Mm -hmm. And even less excited to hand down to my children's children. Mm -hmm. And so there's only really one thing to do. It's either to accept the fact that I can't have any impact and just let it be, or it's to make whatever little change I can to invite people to think a different thought. There's something that came to me and it's so beautifully simple. And it's a change formula. Our thoughts create our words. Our thoughts become our words. Our words we make into our stories. And our stories make up our life. So if we want to change any portion, being a writer, I once wrote a book for the Andaz Maui to brand the, the, it was the most anticipated hotel opening of 2013. And they asked me to tell their story, and I wrote their story. And I wrote, I took their core values and made characters from them. And I wrote about a, a guy who was every guy's guy. He was, the, he was the best athlete, the best hunter, the, the best looking, you know, all like what every guy dreams of being. And I ended it by saying, and every night he went home with another woman because every woman wanted to be with him. And they came to me and they said, Danny, this is for a hotel. We can't have that be, you know, our, our story. <laughs> and, I, and I said, oh my God, you're right. I'm so sorry. I just got caught up in my own story. Right. So I, I, I erased those 10 words and I wrote 14 or 15 other words. And I said, even though every night he could go home to whatever woman he wanted. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one, -on -one, interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, 
me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code EWP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. I've been using MitoPure for the last two years, and I've added this to my routine for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a foundational supplement for me and my family. It keeps things simple, and I know that I cannot get enough of urolithin A in my food to derive the same benefits. And if you're not familiarized with urolithin A, it's a signaling molecule, but it's also actively involved in anti-aging, energy production. And I take Timeline because of its remarkable remarkable healthy aging solution that activates key critical cellular pathways in my body. It's a total game changer for healthy aging. I alternate between using the soft gels and powder depending on whether or not I'm traveling. And we know that restoring cellular energy is a key to enduring health. And this is concluded in a recent publication in Nature Metabolism, which is a top scientific journal identifying that newly energized cells may provide many more years of healthy life to people. Yet as we age, we know that cellular energy production naturally declines and reduces our prospects of optimal health and longevity. That's the great thing about Timeline is you can restore cellular energy and support healthy aging. I've noticed the biggest improvements in my energy and sleep levels. We know that Timeline is clinically shown to give our cellular energy generators the mitochondria new power. And when taken daily, it replaces aging mitochondria. So it upregulates mitophagy and rebuilds new ones or mitogenesis. Timeline is the only nutrient that can do what it does. So Timeline renews your cells to a more powerful state. My listeners can get 10% off your first order at timeline.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off at Timeline dot com slash Cynthia. I know you're going to love this product. He loved going home to the one woman that filled him completely because it was the love of his life. All it was is a different thought, a different set of words. Those words, though, created a different thought, created a different story, created a different book. And, and that's how easy it is to change the course of our life. But we think we're stuck here. I think it was Margaret Mead who said, all throughout time, it's been a small group of people who have come together to change the course of civilization. There is a new paradigm that is coming. And that paradigm is no longer vertical, a vertical world where, it's, where they're teachers and students and leaders and followers, but it's a mosaic paradigm. It's a, it's a paradigm where all of the pieces come together, no matter how big they are, how shiny or bright, how broken or whole. They all come together, and in the voice of the coming together of all people, we find this beautiful creation and create this incredible thing that isn't even known to us when, we're, when we sit alone. All these things that I'm speaking about are only hinted at in the book that I wrote called The Mosaic. But it makes sense that a book that talks about seeing what you don't see, 
would only hint at things that are in it, inviting you to see more even from its story. And so I invite people to read the book, but not only read the words, listen to the space between the words. Allow this mosaic to enter into you. There's nothing religious about it. There's nothing spiritual about it. These are just common, ordinary, everyday people. But when we take the time to just ask people a question, when we take the time to listen to what they say, when we take the time to show interest in another person's life and say, tell me of your suffering, the connection we make is beyond anything we could ever imagine. And this is the moment when that connection is needed. This is the time where we have to change the world from one where all we see is the differences and we sit there fighting from my silo to your silo, yelling at each other, wanting to be the one silo that finds the answer while we blame the other silo for all the problems. That's not the world that's going to help us. It isn't the world that's going to give us anything. The world we need is the one where we come together. And I know we're running out of time. I, 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 can I just share one last story? Sure. There's, there are these people that are looking into swarm intelligence. Have you heard of that? Do you know what that is? No, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> okay, so there, this, is, this is glorious. When, when, the, when researchers looked at the way birds fly, they fly in a flock, and there's one in front, but they found that the one in front isn't the leader. Every bird is moving in complete synchronicity with the others, and they move in, in complete harmony because they're all in, in tune with the direction they're going. When they look at the way fish swim in, in the ocean, they see they move together effortlessly. They, they, can't, they don't have time to follow one another. They're moving as one force. So this group of people thought, I wonder why humans don't operate like that. Why do we operate so individualistically and, and think that we have the answers? And they brought together through AI the ability for people to sit in separate places in separate countries and through a mouse enter into a room where, they ha where there was a puck in there and, and collectively come up to decisions together. So someone challenged them and said, oh, yeah, really, you know, this is BS. If you think you can really do this, pick the winners of the Kentucky Derby, first, second, third, and fourth place. The chances of doing that are 568,000 to, to one. You have no chance of doing that. They said, well, great, let's see. I mean, we don't know if we'll be able to do it or not either. Let's see. So they found 60 horse enthusiasts. In different parts of the world, these weren't gamblers, they weren't betters, they weren't experts, they were just people who liked horse racing. And they allowed them to enter into a cyber room where there was a puck in the middle and there was a hexagram with eight, I guess a hexagram is eight, right? Octagram, whatever it is, <laughs> however many things there are, eight, eight, eight points. And at each point there was a horse. Do you know that they predicted and, and chose the first, second, third place the first, second, third, and fourth place winners of the Kentucky Derby. But here's the most amazing thing. First of all, it's amazing they did it. But here's the most amazing thing. Not one of them on their own picked the force that they collectively picked to come in first as the one they would pick to come in first. Nor second, nor fourth. Only one of them picked the horse that they picked to come in third to come in third. So that means 60 people in different regions 
all on their own scorecards pick different horses to win, but collectively they chose the right, the, the right winners. We can't even see what's possible when we come together. We have no idea what the connected intelligence, what the mosaic intelligence, what the swarm intelligence will guide us to. We don't even know the questions it will ask, let alone the answers it will deliver. We're moving into a new time and a new age where fighting with each other is becoming obsolete. There are solutions out there if we just come together and allow this swarm, this mosaic, this connection to guide us where we're going. Oh, so profound. And thank you for sharing that story with us. Um, as we do wrap up today, we love to ask our guests to provide two things that they would encourage our listeners to do to include to improve their health. I have a feeling I know what you're going to say, but I would love for you to tell us just two things that you think they could do. Um, the, the, I'll boil it down even thinner. The most important thing to me is to start being kind to themselves. So often we, even, our, even in taking care of ourselves, it becomes a regime and it becomes a strict ordinance where we feel like we have to do something rather than we fall in love with the art of doing it. How would we treat ourselves if we really loved ourselves? What would we eat? How would we move our bodies? How would we take time to contemplate and sit alone with ourselves? What answers would come from within us if we just allowed the quiet to be there? Rather than listening to all the voices outside that tell us, do this or use this or follow me or do this. The problem with following another person is it might work for a little bit. You might get a little healthier. But if it isn't your answer completely, there will come a time where you are not fulfilled and you will leave it behind. Take the courage to get to know yourself by just being kind to yourself. Take the walls down. Look at yourself. Who is that person? Who are you? Who is the one that's being healthy to who? And see what happens. It is so worth the inner exploration. The person you will become so far exceeds anything that you can imagine because the world outside of you doesn't know you. You are the only one that has the possibility to know who you really are. Be that person. Live that person. Show up and practice the practice of doing what you came to do and then build your mosaic. That's beautiful. We've really enjoyed listening to you today. It's It's been an honor and a privilege, and uh, we're so glad that you carved out a little bit of time out of your busy schedule to connect with us. It is my complete honor because... My only hope is that we will, this is the beginning, it's not the end, and that we'll continue to forge new ways and new directions to figure out how do we get to the place where the world that we're living in is the one that we want to give to our children, not the one we don't want to give to them. Mm. Thank you so much for joining us. 
You can find out more about Cynthia and her work at chtwellness.com. And you can find out more about Kelly and her work at everydaytherapist.com. In addition, if you have questions for us or topics you'd like us to address, please email us at everydaywellnesspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.